Avengers, assemble. In the wake of Endgame, some were lost, others regained. They're good. What happens next? Stay tuned, true believers, as we try to find out. Peter Melnick. Graphic designer, comic book enthusiast, and podcast pontificator. And I'm Eddie Wilson. Upstate New York radio announcer in the Sullivan Catskills with an inordinate amount of catching up in his own comic book universe. Ready? It's time for a new episode of The Marvelists. Welcome, everyone, to the Marvelists, the Marvel Universe podcast. I'm Peter Melnick. And I'm Eddie Wilson. <laughs> How dare you, sir? But before we get into the usual rigmarole of introducing our special guest co host and roll. talking about our Marvel versus DC topic, of which is this month. This month, and also it's in the right direction. That was kind of a pun for the topic title, but anyway. Wow. How can people get a hold of us on social media, Eddie? Tell them. Well, first off, you can go on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at The Marvelists. I don't know why I pointed in the opposite direction and no one can even see that because it's an audio show. <laughs> but The Marvelists, like Eddie said, you can also follow myself on Twitter, at Peter Melnick. Same with Instagram. You can also follow myself on the Facebook machine, at Peter Melnick Podcaster. Eddie, yourself? At... Eddie nine one nine three on the Instagram, or you could say IG like you said in the other one because you sounded you did sound pretty cool with that. Like well, one, that was then, and this is now. <gasps> but anyway, you can also find us on a wide variety of streaming and downloadable platforms, including iTunes, where you can rate, review, and subscribe. We think you should five star because guess what, folks? We Four like stars it. and below. And much like the ice cream machine at McDonald's, it's not working today. <sighs> so you can be able to five star and leave a good review and be like, "Hey, these guys." All right. They got a show. You should listen. Anyway, Oof. you can also rate, review, and subscribe on the other listening platforms, probably. TuneIn Radio, Stitcher Radio, SoundCloud, Podbean, among many others, where you can have an RSS feed to listen to us. But, people, you can go on to wolverinepodcast.com and use the promo code at checkout. Marvelists. And when you do, you get one free month of Stitcher Premium. And after that one month free trial is over. What? You can be able to get it for $4.99 a month. U.S. currency. Month. A month. That's what it costs you to pay, yes. to enjoy, to continue, pay. a whole I, I, pl- pl- plethora I, I, of stuff. Including the Wolverine, the Long Night program, as well as Wolverine. The follow-up, The Lost Trail. Yes. And it is their first and second foray into serialized audio stories. And some of it is written by, all of it is written by, actually, Comic book writers. Is it four A's then or four I uh, for a plural? For, for Never we, mind. For us. For Asgard. For Sooth. <laughs> I think I just blew the levels out. Forthwith. Wow. Yeah, it's okay. Anyway. Yeah. So. For the Marvelous time. No. Oof. So. You can once again go on WolverinePodcast.com and use the promo code at checkout. Marvelous. And when you do, you can cancel at any time. But when you do sign up, it helps support the show. So guys. We're continuing our Marvel vs. DC month, and we had our little detour with the Daniel Kibblesmith interview, with the Kenny King interview, and with our San Diego aftermath, but we and, want to talk- And also Spider-Man Far From Home. Yeah. We want to talk to you folks at home about who is the moral compass of each universe. You have the Marvel universe, where we agree that the moral compass is Captain America. And then you have the distinguished competition, DC Comics, where the Man of Steel himself, Superman, is the moral compass. 
And guys, we can't do this episode. And girls. And girls and all the genders in between, but (laughs) we can't do this episode unless we have Captain America himself, not you, Eddie. Sorry, that's Uh, Captain Ed America anyway. Okay, all right. I thought I needed a costume change. (laughs) He walks out of the room. I'll be back. Peter, zip me up. But It's it's Velcro. Stop it. (laughs) Velcro me up. (laughs) But we also have to have Superman. The Man of Steel. Kal-El. Mm-hmm. We do. I mean... Kaldor? I used to love that story. There was Bradley's, there was James Way, Ames even. I'm just going to name off Northeast uh, department stores now. That's the podcast. We're just going to talk about department stores. Will that be all? Probably not, but... There's Redner's. That was a supermarket. How about Rickles? Wow, that's a reference I did not expect to hear on this show today. This is why you do shows with me. So anyway... We want to welcome back to the show Jeremy Bagley, and we want to introduce to the audience a guy who I've dug the hell out of his cosplays, especially his Freddie Mercury, which, by the way, has gone viral on the interwebs because he looks damn close to Rami Malek and Freddie Mercury. Yeah, Kid Kryptonite himself, Walter, how you doing? I'm good. I'm, I'm good. I, yeah, I get that a lot. So it's, I love Queen, and it happened to work out, I guess, you know, the whole timing. So, but I'm I'm doing good myself. How about you guys? Pretty good. And Jeremy, welcome back again to the show. Hey, I appreciate it, fellas. After all the fans you lost last time I was on, I was really uh, <laughs> happy to hear you uh, wanted me to come back. Did somebody take a count? <laughs> I don't know. I think we I did. did okay. You did. They all got orange slices. Or milk duds. Isn't it the most forgiving of candy? I hate milk duds, Eddie. Well, well, no, Wampers. Wampers suck. Well, we'll just call that little uh, brief dip in fandom when I was on. Uh, we'll call that the blip. <laughs> the blip. Not, not to be confused the with blip. the blur. The Bagley blip. Look at that. That's a margarita night waiting to happen. So now, guys, this episode, like we're saying, we're talking about the moral compass of each universe. But because he is the first character, the first ever superhero we want to talk about Superman and his impact in comics, but also his importance in comic book history as DC's moral compass. Walter, first off, you're a big Superman fan. How did you get into the character? Yeah. How did you discover the character of Superman? Uh, well, I've always like, like you know, always watched like the cartoons of kids and stuff like that. But what really brought my like attention to it was the show Smallville. Like him, like I watched every single episode of my dad. And then, you know, between good parenting and, you know, watching that show, it helped me, I guess, become a better person, I guess you'd say. Like, I just, like you said, he's, he's more accomplished. I kind of just, you know, you know, what would Superman do or Clark Kent do, type of thing. So that's why, you know, watching that show and, you know, reading comics and watching Christopher Reeves and, you know, all the, everything, you know, all the, media possible of the character. How was it, uh, Walter, when you decided at what point, I don't know how old, that you said, you know what, I'm going to do more than just be a fan of, a, of reading and watching. I'm going to start imitating by, by dressing up. Um, I mean, I kind of like, oh, I think I always kind of did, like, as a kid, like I would put a red towel, even like before I was into him, I would put a red towel around my neck and just, like, Jump around and stuff like that. Like long story short, I used to have a, 
the bunk bed, and then my dad had a bed that was across it. So I used to jump off the bunk bed with the red towel onto my dad's bed, pretending I was Superman because like I fly. A lot of kids so, doing that. Yes, I, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's why that scene in Man of Steel really resonated to me. Like when he, when he saw like a young Clark Kent with the towel around his, you know, shirt. I was like, that's like, you know, you know, what kid hasn't done something like that, you know? Well, they didn't have too many, you didn't have too many to choose from to, to imitate. And it was really more boy, male oriented. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's, you know, since I, I guess, well, yeah, since, you know, I was a kid, I've always, you know, attached myself to Superman as a, you know, as a character. But since then, uh, Walter, it has evolved into, um, and I've only seen, I think, a partial, uh, a, a dark, maybe wearing black uh, shirt yeah, or jacket or something for that character. Uh, I've done, like, I've done Kingdom Come Superman, but I've also done it, like, with a black suit instead of the traditional blue suit AC. And, like, you know, I did, like, the Kingdom Come suit, but, like, instead of just blue, it's black. And then the red belt and you know, like it's a little, little bit of a change, but also done the blue one as well. Now this past weekend, now this past weekend at San Diego Comic Con, they actually announced for the Crisis on Infinite Earths Arrowverse storyline that's going to be happening. Brandon Routh, the I believe third or fourth person to ever portray Superman on the big screen, he's going to yeah. be reprising the role of Superman, but it's going to be the Kingdom Come version. Which that's appropriate that you mentioned yeah. that a little while ago. Now, yeah. out of all of the interpretations of Superman. First up, where does Brandon rank for you, and who is your favorite Superman? Oh, see, I don't hate any Superman, but I guess, I guess the Kirk Allen is my like. You know, I don't hate him, but he's probably my least. You know, you know, I guess, I guess because maybe he's the first technically, and then the George Reeves. But you know, I like them all. But uh, I'm not sure where Brandon Ralph really likes ranks. Because I think he did a good job, but I think he imitated Christopher Reeves too much, even though he was kind of playing Christopher Reeves Superman in a way. Because right. it was supposed to take place after Superman 2. But, so I can't really, like, I this is a conflicting answer for me, because I'm always, like, I go back and forth, and I've met, and it's also, like, hard for me to answer this, because I've met every living Superman. Wow. So it's kind of like, I had, you know, so each one I had a great experience, and I could hard for me to actually, you know, but my favorite Superman of all time is, of course, Christopher Reeves. Yeah, you kind of like me, I think, Walter, in the sense that you got to pick one. you kind of going along with the way that the characters evolved into different people portraying him, and yeah. I've, I've kind of gone, gone along with the character that's come out, let's say, with Spider-Man and different um, yeah. and actions of, uh, of variations of him. So so I, I hear what you're, yeah. where you're coming from on that. Um, yeah. With with Brandon Routh, though, I'm just thinking of it, and I had just recently heard that yes, he's going to be reprising the role. But then I just realized, wait a minute, he was the Atom in mm-hmm. Legends of Tomorrow, w- w- multiverse baby, missing stuff. Okay, so I guess that's how they're pulling yeah. that one off. Yeah, and you have yeah. like multi. You have, I believe, uh, in the series, uh, what's his name, uh, Stephen Amell. He plays, I believe, the Flash as well, like an alternate version of the. I think Flash. there was a crossover episode with the yeah. two or three. Yeah. So yeah, there's yeah, that's how you that. pull it off. Mm-hmm. But he was Barry Allen in the episode, and Barry Allen was Oliver Queen. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's how you can pull that off. So it was mutual. Now of Omaha. In re- insurance <sighs> reference, where did that come from? Yeah, we are farmers. Omaha, Nebraska. I guess. Well, we're farmers too. Charmin. But anyway, yeah, because my references are shitty. Okay, they stink on ice. <laughs> yes, they do. 
Poop a do. Ne- never thought I'd get a stinks on ice reference from you. I'm kind of mm. proud of that. I'm rubbing Thanks ice on you. It's History of the World Part <laughs> One. I, I heard that, Jer- Jeremy. <laughs> but in regards to Superman, you got to admit he is. Again, we keep using this expression because it's what it is: Super. the moral compass of the DC yeah. universe. And mm-hmm. what are some examples for you that really epitomize what Superman is with that attitude, with that belief? It's you know, it's, it's more of like he, my, like my dad would say, like he ruled ruled the world with his pinky, but yet he decides to see that like he's not from here, and he decides to you know, like it's not like he doesn't have to be, you know, he he just does it because it's inside, you know, because it's more like it's in him, like he he can't stand by and not do anything, you know, that drives him crazy. And it's also the fact, like, the way he treats, you know, he sees the best in people, and he sees, you know, like, he believes that, like, everyone has good in them, even, like, even uh, even Lex, like, he tries to see the good in Lex and everyone else. And, you know, it's also the way he treats Lois. Like, for me, it's like, I figured, like, you know, for me, it's like, I've always seen that, like, the way he treats Lois, and it's very, like, how the guy should treat a woman, it's very, like, very like he lets her do her own thing, be independent, be her own woman, but yet he's there to always listen to her and you know be there when she needs he needs her, you know. So it's all these different things that he does and like you know that reputation of you know. Well, in humanity. a way, I was going to say, well, in a way, you got a little duality in that. Yes, he's an alien; he's not from this earth, but he mm-hmm. was brought up and raised by the Kents in Kansas. Yeah. And Mom those pop. were the moral values that he came up with. So tra- traditional, what, middle America, I guess. And uh, yeah. that, that comes through in his qualities. And that's what resonated with the, the pulse of America and the world. So, yeah. Yeah, sure. Especially at that time. Now it's a little, you know. But, yeah, he's very, and I just think that, it's that, you know, even like from different show, even besides from comics and movies or shows show that, you know, that he's, like it's small shoulder very well that he was conflicting. Like he sometimes he would go back and forth, but at the end of the day he would do the right thing because it showed his, you know, he knew what he had to do. You know, but it wasn't like I'm bad to put. Like I can't put the words because I'm trying to describe it. But it's like he's he's just that person. Like you know, he doesn't want you know. Doesn't want to see the world suffer, and I like that about him. You know, it's not like he has to do it; he wants to do it. In regards, because I, I know the answer that I'm going to get from you from this, but in regards to like maybe live action, animated, etc., who do you believe is the most accurate in regards to the whole moral compass aspect of Superman? Uh, the most. Well, I would say. Live action, I would say, I would say probably Christopher Reeve, cartoon, animation. I would say like the nineties, the Bruce Tim era. Yeah, the Bruce, the Bruce, like the Bruce Tim version of him. But I, I like Henry Cavill's as well because he, it was like a more realistic struggle. Like you know, he's, you know, a lot of people hate you know hate Zack Snyder's way, but. I actually personally like it because it shows a more realistic version of it because 
you know, in our world. Like, in, like I love the Christopher Reeve movie, Christopher Reeve movies. Like, you know, because, but in, the, and in those movies, they show everyone, like, worship Superman. Like, yeah, yeah, he's here, he's here. That's not how it works. Right. In the, in the Snyderverse, it showed that people would hate him. Because, unfortunately, it's real life. You know, people, you know, there's a lot of hate. And some people, like, you know, don't trust him and all this stuff. And then he's, you could see this struggle inside of him that he wants to do the right thing, but he's not sure if he should because... It's literally like, you know, causing court and controversy between mm. the world. Yeah. Like he's watching the news and it's like, you could see that, men, you know, that, you know, he wants to do it. And he, it's just, you know, he's, it's an, it's an, it's a weird, you know, and that's why I like this. Like the, my favorite Superman stories are the ones that ne- not necessarily show his powers, but show his, his ultimate weakness in his humanity, you know, and it's like, whether, like, you know, Earth One I loved. It's very like that, and you know, and it's like Smallville as well. But it had episodes like that, you know. And in but, regards you know. to the character of Superman, you end up seeing him, of course, interact with Marvel characters through the multiple crossovers over the years, including mm-hmm. the JLA slash Avengers or Avengers slash JLA, where he ends up wielding Milner because he's deemed yeah. worthy, and you can also tell that it's he was deemed worthy because. His sense of who he is as a, I was going to say a person, I guess, well, a human being, but you can't really say that because he's, yeah. he's an alien. Yeah. A life form. Yeah. yeah. Well, as a life form. That's, that's a good, that's a good one. I like that. As a life form, he was deemed worthy. And I'm curious, why do you feel Superman for in that, that storyline was deemed worthy? Because he, because I think I was. Say the ham, like the, like I'm not going to say the ham, so I always pronounce it wrong, and I don't want to. Meow meow. You can go with meow meow, like uh, yeah, yeah. Cat Dennings yeah, no. did. I, I always pronounce it wrong. I can't say it, so I'll just say the hammer because I pronounce it wrong. Yeah, why not? Yeah. Uh, all right, and so I feel like I could tell that Superman's purpose was for pureness. You know, it was good intentions. Yeah, Non-self-serving. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. You know, kind of like. The Power Rangers mono, you know, like the, you know, like how, you know, the Power Morpher, you know, how you're not supposed to use it for, you know, personal gain and this and that. And I think it knew Superman wouldn't do that. Now, on the flip side of things, we end up having Marvel, and you have the character who once socked Adolf Hitler in the face on the cover of Captain America Comics number one. You have Captain America. Appropriate that he was in Captain America Comics number one. You'd be surprised. I mean, there's human torch in there for some reason. It's shocking, isn't it? Stop. <laughs> but, Jeremy, how were you introduced to the character of Captain America, Steve Rogers? Well, I started uh, collecting comics, I'd say, in the mid-'80s. And, you know, at that age, you're kind of attracted to costumes, and you're not really that into the, you know, the narrative so much as you are kind of the aesthetic. Uh, and I was always just kind of drawn to Captain America's costume. Obviously, I think he's got one of the more iconic ones in all of comicdom, whether I was a American or not. The the colors all go well together, and uh, it was just a real visually pleasing, um, you know, visage when you when you took a, opened up a comic book or you saw some toys on the uh, Toys R Us R.I.P. Um, well, not know, in Canada. It was, it was, sorry, it was always just something nice to, uh, 
it, that costume always just kind of stood out. It's iconic. And then, uh, absolutely, very iconic, and uh, much like Superman, and uh, you know, roughly the same color scheme. And uh, you, you kind of uh, it, it jumped off the shelves or it jumped out of the, the spinner rack at you. And then you got an opportunity to kind of dig down a little bit and actually read the stories, and that's where I kind of just kind of fell in love. And Captain America's been my favorite for you know thirty something odd years now. Um, just his his story is amazing, and uh, when I reference Captain America, obviously I'm talking about the Steve Rogers version of him. So going forward, I'll talk about Steve so much as as the alter ego of Captain America. I mean, to be honest. The impact that Steve Rogers, Captain America has had on you, you did a TED Talk and you're wearing a Captain America t-shirt. So it's kind of, the character goes hand in hand with you, especially. Yeah. Um, you know, I do a lot of work with veterans and I'm in Atlanta this week with the Department of Veterans Affairs. And, you know, I, it kind of touched me a little bit in uh, Endgame spoilers when, you know, Cap is a, a grief counselor and he, you know, Sam was obviously one with the VA when they were introduced. And so, you know, I think that that's part of Captain America's story. And, and later in our talk today, you know, I'll kind of talk about, you know, kind of wrapping up and, you know, coming home. Captain America and Superman, inherently good, both. But fire bad. First, I think of <laughs> the, the Henry Cavill character of Superman. Walter, you tell me how you felt when you first saw that he had to make that moral choice with Zod. I think you could tell that it was for him. A lot of people like decide they see because like they call him the killer Superman, whatever. But he's killed in the comics before, and it's and it's killed Zod in the comics before, and then and then this Christopher Reeves movie. But, tell that to Zod's snapped neck. Mm. Yeah, but it's more. I honestly, it's a little more than someone getting drowned in cold water, the fortress solitude, or. Mm-hmm. Radiation poison from Kryptonite, which he did design the comics. Um, but I think it was like a struggle because it was his, his you know, who was like the only being from this planet, like one of the only two beings from this planet. I mean, and he didn't want to do it, but I don't think he had like a choice. He knew he saw his family was about to die. He knew Zod was not going to stop. Yep. And like, you got to remember this, Henry Cavill Superman at this point, was very inexperienced. He didn't have fight. Like, he wasn't trained in the fortress. He didn't have like the you know the struggles and trials like he did in Smallville. It's completely different too, man. Like this is his first fight. This is his first, you know. Hmm. And like at this time, this is something like he didn't want to. I don't think he he morally wanted to do it, but like he said, like he like Zon said, never. Like he's like because because Henry uh, Superman said. Stop! Stop! And here, Zod say never, and like, and like he knew Zod was not gonna stop him, and, and like he didn't know any other way at this point. Like Superman always finds a way, but at this point, like he could say he didn't experience, so he didn't know what other thing to do. And then to you know kill Zod, and, and you can hear that once he goes down on his knees and screams, you know, and he's in agony of like. What have I done? You yeah. know, like, he didn't want to. Yeah, you wouldn't be and, off in saying that General Zod really forced his hand. No, yeah. And you'd exactly. be right. Like, yeah. Exactly. And, like, people have problems with it, but then people don't have a problem with, 
like I said, I two not two is my favorite superhero movie all time. But people don't have a problem when like when you know as Power Superman pushes you know a dot into like the freezing cold water and then smiles. You know, mm. it's like it, you know in the he in in the theatrical version, not the Richard Donner version, the theatrical version. You know that dot dies. Now what happens? They don't show what happens. That he dies in the in their Donner cut. They show him somehow being miraculously alive and get arrested, but it's the old, the, the, yeah, the old the suspended animation trick. I guess I don't know, so, encased in ice or something, maybe. But uh, but on the topic of encased in ice, Captain yes, America. Yes, I was going to say to yeah. Jeremy when when maybe with the first the Captain America the first Avenger movie. And I had seen this also in terms of some uh, figures. If you purchase those $100, $200 figures and maybe have a curio cabinet at home to have any of those, <laughs> I, I was really not comfortable. That's oddly specific for the cabinet, seeing, by the way. <laughs> seeing, well, I've seen it before. The image is emblazoned in my brain. Seeing Captain America carrying a gun. Right. And not being from any from me or not really many in my family who have been in the service or anything like that, that might be a different viewpoint. But I think generally speaking, a lot of people don't see him that way and be like, wait, what? I never could either. That's, you know, no. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think the juxtapose um, the scenario with Superman where we've seen many incarnations of him where he doesn't kill. Um, you know, Captain America is a soldier first. And having been a soldier for well over 10 years, um, you know, he says it very well in the movie when they when he becomes when Steve Rogers becomes you know the the physical incarnation of Captain America about whether he's ready to go kill Nazis and he says I don't want to kill anyone I don't like bullies and I don't care where they come from um, you know he doesn't want to kill but he's also a soldier and I don't know of any soldier that I ever served with who wants to kill uh, unfortunately that is a um, circumstance of war. You know, we fight wars of attrition, and uh, unfortunately, people die in them, um, and a lot of young people die in them, and a lot of civilians, unfortunately, pass away in, in, in combat and wars and battles and skirmishes. And so I think that that's, you know, while it's not something that he revels in, it's not really anything that he has ever had to kind of run away from too much. Uh, it, you know, he doesn't kill, you know, indiscriminately like the Punisher does. Uh, he tries to stop other people. There's, you know, a, a famous scene in Civil War where, you know, he banishes uh, Punisher from his army and, and, you know, kind of gives him a bit of a throttling because he shoots down, you know, two uh, supervillains that want to join up on the, their, their side. Mm -hmm. So uh, I don't see Cap as, you know, some kind of... Uh, you know, I wouldn't call him anti-killing, but I wouldn't call him, like, pro-killing. I think it's situational. One uh, forced to defend himself and other people and his friends and his country and his values. Uh, if that's the last measure, then he takes it. Yep. And, but he doesn't do it, you know, as a killing machine in the Punisher van. Yeah, I think it's something that eventually you have to uh, wrap your brain around and mature yourself to that fact that that is a part of the whole scenario that we're trying to do here and make it as realistic as this, which isn't realistic, can be. Um, Wait a minute, people can't fly? No, listen. There's the other thing that that reminded me of, and that was also when an issue of the NOM came out 
and it had Captain America and Iron Man and Thor in it. And from what I had heard is that that issue really got some veterans upset by, uh, you know, maybe thinking that the uh, publishers were trivializing the, the war by putting these superheroes into it and stuff. It eventually passed over. Um, but uh, I don't know if you're familiar with, with that issue, Jeremy. I just have to say real quick before Jeremy starts, mm. the Punisher is not a superhero. I'm in yeah. complete agreement with Mike Zapsik of Comic Book Man and I Sell Comics fame. He is not a superhero. Superheroes don't kill. And he's he's an anti-hero, a vigilante. Yep. Not a superhero. Never will be. Deadpool, not a superhero. Jeremy? No, you're absolutely right. And I think, you know, um, the beauty of Captain America, Steve Rogers, as the soul of who that is, is that, you know, you start out in the late 1930s with him and he's a bit of a spy master. And, you know, it's all about the, uh, the climate of fear that the Nazis or some other foreign party have somehow invaded the military-industrial complex in the United States. And he's rooting out spies, and he's rooting out, you know, what would come to be Hydra, you know, from the ranks of the military-industrial complex. And then you see him kind of evolve a little bit as the country evolves post-World War II and into Vietnam. And I think that uh, you know, for, I've done a lot of work with Vietnam veterans, and I think one of the things that, you know, they kind of got log-jammed in with was that, that they're the first generation of, you know, their Vietnam veterans' motto is never will one generation of veterans ever abandon another. And World War II was, you know, by all means a, a popular victory, and we had ticker tape parade, and so many Vietnam veterans didn't get a welcome home. And I think that their attitude towards the way that was portrayed was kind of, you know, um, a bit of a, you know, um, it, it came from that, that mentality. You mm-hmm. know, uh, we've already been kind of trivialized enough. Uh, we didn't get that thank you many times we were spit upon. And I think that, you know, to kind of even add further, I, you know, from a historical point of view, insult to uh, already a, a gaping injury, it's probably where they were coming from there. Now, in regards to Captain America, what are some examples of where you've seen the character be that moral compass of the Marvel Universe? Not just oh, in... Well, I think, oh, go... Yeah, no, I think Captain America uh, has, you know, he exemplifies, Steve Rogers exemplifies many ways the... Uh, I, I always think of him as a bit of a reluctant hero, and not that he's afraid to do any of the things that he does, or he does it in spite of the fear... Uh, I just don't think that Steve Rogers, at the the heart of things, enjoys being Captain America. I think that he uh, has his moral set, and he will do what he does, you know, at a micro for his friends and people he cares about, and at a macro uh, at a worldwide level for for faith and you know what he believes in. Um, heavy but, is the know, head that so wears much, the crown. I'm sorry. Uh, he- heavy is the head that wears the crown, essentially. Yeah, uh, although I don't think that he ever wants to be a king, you know, he's the opposite of that. Uh, I think that the beauty of why he was endowed with the super soldier serum is for all the reasons that are, you know, the reasons why Captain America and uh, Kal-El are great heroes, is that they are heroic beyond the power. Uh, Steve Rogers was heroic and brave, whether it was, uh, him throwing himself on a grenade in, in the first Avenger or at the um, 
excuse me, there's a, a uh, an issue. Oh, gosh, what was it? He's fighting uh, in the Ultimate. Uh, and, you know, he's just, he, he hates bullies, you know. Uh, but the thing I was trying to get to was or this issue of the Avengers where uh, the Red Skull has got the Cosmic Cube, and he decides to remake the entire world in his image, and he strips away all of Steve Rogers' powers as Captain America, and it's a 90-something-year-old man, and he pummels the Red Skull. You know, he, he has the intestinal fortitude, he has the heroism, he has the ability to be able to kind of, uh, you know, overcome. And even as this, this frail old man, uh, you know, he's being mocked by the Red Skull for all of these ideals that he has, but he pummels them and, and Steve, you know, kind of talks it right back to him. And, you know, he's like, all their quaint ideals and ridiculous notions live on, Skull, despite your best, your worst efforts. And then he goes on and, and talks about the strength of the country not being made out of brick and steel. It's in the hearts of those who've sworn to fight for its freedom against any foe, no matter how great the odds. And, you know, he's got this near-skeleton body, and he says, you can take away my muscle skull, but you'll never take away my strength. And that's why I relate to Captain America, is that you don't have to be six foot two and 240 pounds. Uh, one of the greatest heroes of, of World War II was Audie Murphy, and he was probably five foot four and 130 pounds, but his heart was bigger than anyone's. And I think that Steve Rogers exemplifies that. He was a hero way before he was ever endowed with the super soldier syndrome. And Steve Rogers realizes he wants to do something, as we know, whether it's a comic book or the movie, he wants to be able to get in here and do his part. He is fortunate enough to be able to do more than his part and will not be doing this for any recognition. Again, like the whole crown thing, he's not doing it for any kind of glory or accolades, but he knows he has the ability to make change and make change for the better. And that's why he does that. And at we, as we know, steps in to lead the Avengers. And then, you know, later on the teams, the lineup changes and all that stuff, but he's still at the core at the, at the center of it. Yeah. I feel like he's apprehensive to take that duty of being Captain America, but he sold, you know, he soldiers on pun intended, but he just keeps on because he has to, because he realizes if no one's going to do it, he has to, you know? Yeah, and I think some of the greatest examples of who, why he's the moral compass of the Marvel Universe don't even have anything to do with action. There's a, the episode, uh, issue, the last issue of the first uh, Civil War, you know, they're having that all-out battle at the end, and, you know, Cap's got Iron Man's mask all busted open, and it kind of hangs on whether he's going to come down and just kind of finish off Iron Man. Now, we all know that he's not going to. Uh, but he gets tackled by some people from New York City. And, you know, he's like, what are you doing? You know, I'm trying to help you. You know, I, I'm not here to hurt you. And, uh, you know, they make it clearly, you know, that they're all hurting, you know, mm. the people. And, you know, they look around the battle scene, and it's just a rubble of this New York City neighborhood. And that's where Cap just says, hey, you know, uh, we're not fighting for ideals anymore or right and wrong. We're just fighting to fight. And, you know, that's where he, he just decides he's going to surrender. And, you know, Spider-Man yells over to him. He's like, we're beating them, man. He's like, we're winning back there. And Cap goes, everything except the argument. And it, he is such uh, uh, inspiration. And he also knows 
that even though he might be a little bit reluctant to be Captain America and, and he kind of thinks of it as maybe a little hokey and over the top, he also remembers that it's symbolic. And symbology is important not just in America but in all of human culture. So he turns himself in, he takes the mask off, and he turns himself in as Steve Rogers and not as Captain America because he doesn't want that image of Captain America being arrested. He wants to, to be known that it's Steve Rogers that's, that's being led away in handcuffs. And I think that's powerful and kind of speaks to the self-sacrificing nature and also his remembrance of how important symbology is to, to just about every culture. Eddie, quick aside, uh, have you read Civil War? Long time ago, yes. Okay, because I was going to say, if you haven't, that's your homework for the next episode because it it's an interesting story that I do highly recommend checking out. That got me back into collecting, I think, when that was being uh, publicized in the newspapers and elsewhere. And I said, oh, okay, I think I'll have to find out about this elsewhere. This guy. This guy. Now, Kid Kryptonite, I'm curious, yeah. in regards to Captain America, what do you feel is the major comparison that he has with Superman? And then, Jeremy, on your end... Flip reverse of the question. Well, you just dropped in Kid Kryptonite, so I think we needed an origin on that for, for Walter's part. To uh, I'll get to Kid Kryptonite a little bit later, but okay. for me, I actually, I love Captain America as well. I'm a fan of his, and because um, they're both, like, you know, much, much like Superman, they're both, they, I feel like they're both very humble and, like, you know, very, like, he got arrested, Superman did a similar Similar thing too, especially in the man field. I'll, I'll give the best example is uh, is when he first you know he turned himself in, but it was more of to show that he is not there to cause any harm. He is there to help, and he broke out of the you know the handcuffs and stayed in custody simply to show he's like I'm not a threat. I'm here to help. So it's you know it's just somewhat similar to Captain America in that regard, but a different side of it. And, like, I've always seen them both as, you know, good reputations of, you know, the best of America. Captain America was born here, and he's, you know, he's, you know, he's got, you know, him himself has got truth justice in the American way. He's, he has this, you know, he's, he's you know, born city guy, but yet he's got this humbleness about him, like this old school humbleness about him. And then you had, you know, the opposite of Superman. He's the foreigner of the side, you know. And he was, you know, born on a, but instead of born on a farm, you know, they have somewhat similar parallels in a way of what America is. You know, you have the home body superhero and you have the, you know, the person that's here from somewhere else, a foreigner or an illegal alien. And, uh, and, He's, you know, they're both very, you know, the yin yang ish, I guess, of each other. Like, you know, the ones, you know, they're both trying to lose the dream, you know, a, a dream, you know, of their own. And, they, and they're here to protect us. You know, they're both, you know, you know, I've always admired Captain America myself and all, like, you know, and the stuff I send is like, you know, his, even the movies are my favorite of the MCU, you know. Both, you know, both uh, Winter Soldier and uh, all, all three of them, rather. But, but I always thought they were, you know, they go kind of 
I would love to see a comic. Probably won't get it. Or the crossover between these two heroes. You know, like maybe a, like a little fighting action in the beginning, but then like it kind of like ends where you don't know who actually won. To kind of get the readers interested, and then like you know they had to team up against Lex Luthor and like I wouldn't say Vegetable because Fred Lex Luthor probably wouldn't team up himself with someone like that. But maybe like Winter Soldier when he's still Winter Soldier or something like that. And like they have to fight, you know, save the world, you know, and team up against them. And then like they beat them at the end. They kind of have like a, they kind of like have a sparring session and then they go to like, you know, was it Rocky 2 or 3 when Apollo Creed fought, you know, fought Rocky and like they kind of like freeze it, something like that. I think that would be cool to do. When you mentioned just now about the uh, idea of a crossover between the two, I'm actually surprised yeah. they did a uh, Captain America Batman crossover by John Byrne, but John Byrne, yeah. one of the you know characters he's synonymous with is his run on Superman, the Man of Steel. Yeah. So it's kind of yeah. funny that he instead chose Batman when he could have done a Captain America yeah. Superman story set yeah. in the 1940s instead. Yeah, and you've also seen um, Superman up against or together with Spider-Man, and yeah. I guess um, some other things that have come across well, Muhammad Ali. <laughs> Yeah. In one yeah. my yeah. favorite Marvel character. Yeah. All right. It's in the book. Yeah. Now Jeremy. Yeah. Um for good. Superman, I uh you know, Superman is such a polarizing figure, I think, even if he you know, would take away from the fact that he's the first or one of the first superheroes and kind of set the you know, was the mold for everything that came after him. Um what I admire about Superman the most is uh, the fact that he, again, constantly remembers that he's a symbol and that he's there to protect. And I'm not sure if it's not, you know, part of the nurture that he got from the Kents, but also, you know, the, uh, the values that were sent with him, you know, in his little shuttle and ultimately the... the um, Oh, what's his little ice hideout there called? I can't, I Fortress of Solitude. Uh, the Fortress of Solitude. Fortress okay, of yeah. Solitude, yeah. That's where my uh, memory of of that was uh, by itself in solitude. Um, <laughs> but the beauty of him is that he is, when he fights Darkseid is when he can kind of truly let loose. And he, mm-hmm. you know, there's a couple of cartoons where he talks about how he always feels like he's in a world made out of cardboard. And the beauty, of Super, the beauty of Superman is, is that he could be the most powerful villain in the world, but instead he chooses to be heroic. And I think that that's what's kind of amazing. If he decided that he wanted to rule this planet, there wouldn't be anybody there to stop him. And it would be called uh, Brightburn, and, directed by James Gunn. Exactly <laughs> right. And, uh, you know, it would, that would be a great origin story for it, but... You know, that's what's amazing about that character is that, you know, through mind control and, and everything else, you know, he's given up the kryptonite to, to Batman. He's always been aware of the fact that he could be turned into a tool of ultimate destruction. Uh, but he hasn't taken it upon himself to be an overlord, unless you're, you know, playing the video games. And he's always kind of just, you know, stood for all those kind of corny things, the, the quintessential truth, justice, and the American way. Uh, and, you know, I don't necessarily think that we have to nationalize it. It's just being a good person. 
I'm curious for both of you guys, there's in the Marvel vs. DC event in 1996, the Amalgam Universe ended uh-huh. up bringing some different characters, mashing them up. You had Doom Patrol and X-Force, or Doom Patrol and the X-Men. You had Lobo and Howard the Duck. You end up having all these characters just mishmash into each other. And one of the characters that we ended up getting was Super Soldier, which was the Superman-Captain America mashup. Now, when this character was created, it was kind of a given. It's, okay, that makes sense. You want to see those two characters become one. When you guys saw that character, how did you feel about that? Super Soldier? Uh, yeah. 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 Go ahead. No, go ahead. I'll defer. I've actually never read the comic, but I've seen images of, of that. And the thing that's always cool, like he's, is that the one he's holding the shield, right? He's holding the Captain America shield. I believe so, yeah. And, yeah, and he's got a, I, I like that one because it's sort of like, I feel like it's like the ultimate character, you know, ultimate like, um, more of a fusion of a character, you know, like I think there's like, like the, he's got like the compass, more compass of both, and then he's got like the, um, where he's got like you know the the width the strength of Superman, but the wisdom of Steve Rogers, you know like that whole you know like that whole soldier leadership style, and I think that's really like I would wish that would cool to even do further more into comics, you know. And before I forget, the uh, he said the world of cardboard on uh, Jeremy, right? He said the mm. cardboard quote. That's actually one of my favorite Superman quotes. So thank you for referencing that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, to yeah. build on what you were saying, too, I think uh, the cool thing about the Amalgam Universe was that, you know, you had the mismatches and the, the matchups that you wouldn't have otherwise got. You had the, the Dark Claw, and um, which I think is now a seltzer water that a lot of people drink. Or White Claw, yeah, whatever. Uh, hmm. but <laughs> wow, that's a I, reference I did not expect on this show today. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I, uh, I'm trying to up the hipster audience after I lost so many of them for you before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And uh, But I think one of the things that we often forget about Captain America that was kind of cool to see him kind of amalgam with Superman was that he had the over-the-top powers. Captain America is an enhanced human. He's not, you know, overly superpower. He's just built to the peak of what human beings could possibly be. Um, and so if you shoot Superman or Captain America, he's going to die and has. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so he... That's part of what's heroic about him, and I think that's why it was such a good matchup with Batman. Is because you know they're they're a little bit slightly different. Uh, one's a little bit more power than the other one, and the other one's got a lot more money because soldiers don't make very much. But um, you know, Steve Rogers is if he were to fight Superman, he's you know going to probably get housed if you just go power for power. And I think that's one of the cool things about him is that. While he is enhanced, uh, he's still a man. Uh, he might be a long-lived man, and he might, you know, be able to jump higher and, and run faster and be stronger. But uh, he's not bulletproof, and uh, that was kind of cool to see him gain those extra powers. Uh, and like he said, um, you know, kind of uh, have all of those kind of core values of Steve Rogers, but then you know, and also Clark Kent. But then also have the uh, the extra powers. I thought that was kind of it wasn't very deep, but it was kind of fun. I, I think it would be interesting if they 
pulled a Freaky Friday between those two characters too. That would and, actually you know, be. Mine's, I'd be curious like to see that. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I think it would be interesting. Like if you know, to see like Steve Rogers in Superman's body and Clark Kent in you know Captain America slash Steve Rogers' bodies. You know, like a mind. You know, like to see. Oh yeah. You know, interesting what they would do between those two characters. Now, what's more, I guess, with Steve Rogers, how Steve Rogers himself would handle, you know, Superman powers. But I think he would handle them well. I think if any character Marvel or character in Marvel or DC, I think Steve Rogers has the ability to handle Superman's powers the best out of anybody other than Clark Kent himself. The idea of Clark... Un- oh, go ahead. Yeah, I think, dude, like, you know, like, all, the idea of, like, you know, like, he's got that, like, morality of him. He's got that sensibility of, you know, like, to put Uncle Ben slash Spider-Man, great power comes for responsibility. But, like, he's, you know, I think Steve Rogers really would handle, you know, after figuring how to use those powers, but he wouldn't use, you know, he would handle them, well, you know, the responsibility of those powers really well. Like Superman going into the body of Captain America would be interesting as well because he's depowered then. He's got a little mm-hmm. bit less compared to what he was. And how would he mm-hmm. react to that? That's a great idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I just kind of think what it... What would Lois say? What would Lois say? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Steve. I mean, oh, Clark. Oh. <laughs> uh, just the whole idea in reading the DC versus Marvel series and the characters not knowing who the other side at all were. And and then again, with the amalgam, just from the first one that I read, which was the uh, Aurora Storm Aurora. Wonder Woman one, just combining those two and saying, wait a minute, this, this something i got to really absorb here and, and see what's what. I thought you were trying to turn into the fonts, trying to say the you know the letter R. No, no, that's not exactly right. I was. <laughs> Interlude, happy days. Thank you, John. Very good. I got nothing. <laughs> you got nothing? Thank you. Thank you, Tony. Thank you. No, I, I think uh, the other obvious comparison, too, you've got is that both Clark Kent and Steve Rogers are both wielded Molnir. And uh, I think that that's the end of the day. That, you know, that's kind of a true testament to both of those guys as far as who they are, regardless of their respective um, superhero egos. You know, that thing doesn't care what costume you wear or. Mm. You know, um, all the trappings. Uh, as a matter of fact, it prefers it when you don't have that. So I think that it's kind of cool that on numerous occasions, both, well, Steve Rogers has, and on one occasion, Clark Kent has both uh, both uh, wielded Thor's hammer. And, uh, you know, I think that speaks to the heart of who they both are. They both deemed worthy, and uh, for different reasons, but also, you know, some common ones. Um, you know, I, both of those guys were on their path to be heroes well before they ever put on a costume. Mm-hmm. We agree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So now before we wrap this episode up, Walter, we want to know why you are known as Kid Kryptonite, like Eddie wanted to know huh. as well. 
so, I mean, long story short, like as a kid, I wanted to be a professional wrestler. So, and I love Superman. So my dad one day goes, how about Kid Natural? And I was like, you know, that's kind of like CM Punk's thing. He's like, he's like, the whole thing behind Kid Natural would be, be straight edge and not drug free or whatever. And it's not, and that's CM Punk. So I was like, no, dad, that thing, that's already taken. I can't do that. That's too much like CM Punk. And then, so about a day later, he comes back and he goes, how about Kid Kryptonite? He loves Superman. And I just, and like, you know, he went on. I was like, I love it. And I just happened to just keep it like an end. You know, it wasn't like meant for a cosplay thing, but it became that. And I used to actually wrestle. I'm now retired, but I went under that name. And, you know, I just, you know, I thought it was, you know, I loved it since my dad. So gave it to me. And it's in both, it's both, you know, you know, comes from like different, you know, my dad. And mm-hmm. so I really kept it. And, came, you know, in cosplay, you need a nickname. So I was like, well, Kryptonite. <laughs> and know? I kind of thought of, uh, yeah, and I don't mean this in a bad way at all, but kryptonite, when I first hear the word, I think not, yeah. not a good thing, you know, kind of and, stuff. Yeah. You embrace I, your I, fear. I, I, yeah, I know. I, I know. With the beer. I know, because I'm like, like, you're, you're a little super wise and I tell them the story, and it's just, I thought it was, you know, I just liked the idea, but I don't know, I just thought it was different. I was like, I never, I, I thought it was clever. You know, it's, it's like, you know, when I did it, because I kind of like, when I was going to be a wrestler, I kind of wanted to be the bad guy, not the good guy. Because mm-hmm. I was like, and then it's like, how, you know, he saw like, he went the complete opposite way of Kid Natural, and then he went the complete opposite way of Kid Kryptonite, because, you know, it's his weakness, but, you know, it's something I've, you know, held on to for since, let me see, I don't know, what year was it? I would say probably 2002. I think that was the year my dad came up with that. And I have not, not 2002, I'm sorry. 2011 or 12, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's, but um, that's since, you know, I've kept it and I've always loved that, uh, loved that moniker, you know. I'm just waiting now to see that Kid Kryptonite logo on a cosplay from Walter, and we're all set. I know. I was thinking about t shirts when I was wrestling. When I used to wrestle, I thought about t shirts and stuff, but. Not sure how legally that can go because it's kryptonite and you know I think it's copyrighted. I believe. <laughs> I'm still partial to your, uh, I think Freddie Flash Gordon uh, Superman cosplay. Like that is one of the coolest mashups I've ever seen, and it's uh, it's the it's that level of old schoolness with that logo you have on there, and then you incorporate Freddie into there, and it just it kicks it up to eleven. Uh, I, I think you appreciate that, but. Um, that's actually bombshell Superman, and then like I kind of just when I feel like it, I could just put like you know the Freddie Mercury wristband onto it, and like add a Freddie Mercury flag to it, and then it comes Freddie Mercury Superman, you know that whole Freddie Mercury Flash Gordon Superman vibe. Gotcha. But if you look, hmm. it's actually without the um, without like the you know the Freddie Mercury armband and the and the mic, it's actually bombshell Superman from their bombshell series. So I learned something right here now. I didn't think that Bombshell referred to the male DC characters. I thought it was all the females. It's it's mostly females, but there are a few. Like there's Bombshell, Lantern, Superman. I think there's a Flash. Um, there's a couple other characters. Hmm. But I Superman seems to be the most famous one of all the males because he's the strong man look. He's got like that strong man 
you know, like that, you know, like the guy, you know, from the carnival looking hold for the hundred pound, two hundred pound weight. That's where I was know? going. Are you saying strongman? I'm thinking carnival, and yeah, yeah, wow, that's what he looks like. And then like, but like if you look at the comic, kind of looks like Freddie Mercury a little bit. You get the, it, even though he is in the comics, he's got a handlebar mustache and not like mm. a normal like Freddie Mercury stash. Yeah, but like you could see like there's something like you look at the outfit and you see. It looks like something Freddie Mercury would wear, so it's like yeah. I kind of just like it's like a it's like a dual cosplay for me. It's, you know, it's bombshell Superman, then it can turn to Freddie Mercury Superman. You know? Yeah, yeah. It's a dual, it's a dual cosplay. That's that's a future cosplay. Yeah, people are not going to know right away until when it gets <laughs> popular. Then I'm going from from going from a strong man to strong guy, but that's another universe. Strong bad. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Now, before we wrap this episode up, Jeremy, you go first. How can people get a hold of you on social media? Oh, well, I'm on the Twitter at, um, at Jacked Up Jeremy, uh, a handle given to me by uh, pro wrestling uh, legend Jim Cornette. So uh, that's my Twitter Hi. handle. And uh, if you're so inclined and you're in the Rochester area on August 23rd to 25th, We've conveniently scheduled that between two really small events, uh, Canada Fan Expo and the Keystone Comic Con. Nobody's going to either one of those two things. Hmm. So come up to Rochester and uh, enjoy an outdoor pop culture event. Uh, we've got a pub crawl on the 23rd on Friday, so we're handing out these cool geeky tiki's. Uh, there may be some Marvel ones and there may be some DC ones there. Uh, and I am guessing it maybe because nobody on the rest of the team has told me which ones we bought yet, but hey, <laughs> that's cool. Uh, you can go ahead and hit at pop rock on Twitter and go ahead and tell those guys, to let me know what geeky tiki's we got. Um, and we've got all sorts of cool events, uh, movies, cartoons, artists. We've got some cash prize cosplay going on. So that's, uh, you can visit us at supercityrochester.com. And uh, tickets are twenty nine ninety nine to thirty nine ninety nine for VIP, and uh, pretty inexpensive event outdoors. Uh, we don't have a ton of celebrities coming because uh, we wanted to do the first one more at its roots, and, uh, and instead of having people stand in lines all day to get autographs and pictures, we wanted people to come and be able to have some interactive fun. We've got the Rochester Planetarium is going to open up, and we're going to have a video game competition uh some super smash brothers up you know 200 foot wide super smash brothers for <laughs> people to play on and it's going to be a fun interactive event so uh you can reach me at jacked up jeremy on twitter uh and please come out and support uh, super city rochester and as always it's been a pleasure for you for me to be here <laughs> that's a great ending <laughs> now walter yourself uh um, well, that's awesome that you got your name from Jim Cornette, who's a wrestling fan. And, um, but you can find me on Facebook and TikTok under Kid Kryptonite. And on Instagram, it's Kid Kryptonite 89 For the Marvelous, I'm Peter Melnick. I'm Jeremy Bagley. I'm Kid Kryptonite. And I'm Eddie Wilson. Excelsior! <laughs> <laughs>